Hello everyone and welcome to Rolling Forward. I am your host Ben Baldieri and thank you for tuning in. Rolling Forward is dedicated to exploring topics related to mental health and sports and the interplay between the two. I'll be talking to high performers in various areas such as sport, entrepreneurship and business about their experiences with mental health and the struggles they have had and in doing so seeking to broaden the dialogue. Mental health is a huge issue which has historically not received the recognition it deserves so I'm looking to do my bit to change that. My guest today is Billy Garton. Billy is a 21-year-old professional athlete and entrepreneur. He owns a social media marketing agency set to do six plus figures in its first year while simultaneously playing professional soccer in San Diego. Billy has successfully combined his passions for football and business, fighting through a lot of adversity to reach his current position, and he is showing no signs of stopping. In this conversation, we explore the setbacks, hundreds of no's, and moves across the world Billy has experienced. We also explore the impact of him leaving his family at a young age to pursue his footballing dreams, the stresses of growing a business, all at the same time as dealing with anxiety. Billy's candor and openness about his experiences with anxiety and the day-to-day stresses of running a business were truly inspirational. So I hope you take some value from this fantastic conversation and insight. Please enjoy. Good morning, Billy. How you doing? Am I right? And yourself? Yeah, very well. Very well. Perfect. So we're in touch via LinkedIn, which seems to be the the font of all knowledge these days. (laughs) Uh, I posted that Mark Metry put out, um, and you very kindly volunteered to kind of come on and speak about your experiences with mental health, but also then the running of your business. So can you give us like a bit of an overview as to who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah. So my name is Billy Garton. I am a 21-year-old young entrepreneur slash professional athlete who owns a marketing agency. Um, I was born in Manchester, England. I grew up in San Diego, California, so two polar opposites, but um, grew up with the dream, the football, soccer dream of becoming a professional athlete um, my entire life. And then I found this passion for marketing and entrepreneurship as as I gradually got older and, and to be honest, never thought I'd find a passion for something as much as the football side mm-hmm. as I have. And so to have found this interest and something that sparks and ignites this passion in me and something that I love to do on a daily basis has been uh, an incredible journey in the past two to three years. So, um, yeah, I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, marketer, just sort of in the grind and hustle the day to day and trying to make it in the world. I'm, I'm nowhere near probably at the stage that, that I want to be in terms of success rate, but in terms of as a 21 year old entrepreneur, I'm a lot further along than, than where I initially anticipated I'd be. And, and I'd assume than, than a lot of people my age, you know, so just very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. So being the CEO of a, of a marketing agency and a professional athlete, how do you manage those two things? Cause I mean, my impression is those two things are going to be probably quite intense in terms of the yeah. demands, but also the mental demands as well. So how do you manage those two? You're 100% right. And it's taken me probably a year, a year and a half to understand how to manage it and understand how to balance those things, but also the work-life balance with my family and friendships and, and sort of love life and, and, and all that sort of stuff as well. And I, I'm still trying to balance it on a day-to-day, but I've definitely gotten better at it as, as time's gone on. Um, it's a lot about efficiency, um, not about the amount of hours you work, but how efficient you can be during the hours you have, you know, 
being the CEO of this agency and, and initially starting as like a one man band, I'm bringing other people along with me at the moment, but initially starting as a one man band, the clients are relying on me solely. They're not really relying on the business. Obviously the business forever growing you is a business entity, but it's, it's me virtually when you just start out, you know, so these clients are relying on me to schedule posts, to be their communicator on a day-to-day basis, to work with them on different ideas that they've got. And so from training time in the morning to then having to balance, obviously eating habits, sleeping habits, and also managing this business and running it day-to-day while trying to grow my personal brand across all the, the seven major social media mediums, um, has been definitely something, probably the biggest thing that I've had to try and work out. And so definitely the one word I can give for it is efficiency. If I am training from say eight to 11, and then obviously I've got to get a shower. Maybe you're working with the coach on some film stuff and and you, and that takes up the first half of your day. Then I've got to be efficient maybe from 12 to two and say, I've got to get this amount of work done between 12 to two, because then after that, I've got an afternoon session or I've got to work with my clients on different ideas that they've got in terms of growing their business and then also growing my own business and bringing in more clients because <laughs> at the end of the day, I am trying to grow a business. I'm not here to find a set amount of clients and then stick with that as, as an entrepreneur. And I'm sure most people that maybe listen to this or, or, or that are in the same boat as me understand that and know that like I'm, I'm content, but I'm never satisfied with, with where I'm at. You know, I'm content with the clients that I have and and a hundred percent I'm committed to growing them and bringing them value because I know that the success rate and the testimonials that I can get from them will be the foundation for my success. But at the same time, if I get stuck in the day to day, I'm never going to be able to grow. So definitely the efficiency and, and, and how, how I can maximize each minute of my day has been, has been something that's been <laughs> definitely difficult to manage. But as I'm, as I'm getting in the process, I'm, I'm learning as I go, what works best and, and what works best for me, you know, cause everyone's different. So, so you mentioned the not getting stuck in the details as it were kind of taking that. It's, does that mean that you, you're trying to take a more kind of big picture view in terms of like the way everything fits together. So the minutiae is not quite so important at this stage. It's more about the overall vision or am I misinterpreting that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely about the overall vision. I've got a vision in mind for where I want to be in five, 10 years time, but I listen to a lot of the Gary V sort of stuff and, and I'm starting to deploy some of the things he says about just be patient. I mean, sometimes when I step back and look at my life, I'm 21 years old. I've got 50 years left of my working life. And if, if I enjoy it, I've got probably 60, 70 years of my life as a whole left, you know? So if one day things aren't going my way or yeah, things aren't working out the way I want them to, I, I, I sort of have to step back and say, look, look at the position you're in now and look at how much time you've got to create something for yourself. So it's about balancing that, but also understanding what I do have to complete on a day-to-day basis to continue to keep my clients happy and also continue to strive to be at the, the top performance level I can in both athletics and, and in business, you know? So I, I have a daily set number of things that I do have to get done. such so as scheduling my posts for my clients, obviously training, cause that's a mandatory thing. We've got training every day with the club I play for. Um, and then 
doing some client liaison sort of stuff and then obviously posting on the the like I said, the seven major social media mediums that, that I'm on. Um, I'm building my personal brand, especially on TikTok at the moment. And so it's become sort of a, a mandatory requirement that I post at least three to five times a day on that platform. And then the other ones, um, as well as often as I can. So those are the, the sort of set things that I have to get in daily. And so I try to fit those in my schedule early. So once I get those out of the way, everything else is sort of things that I can do to grow my business and grow as a person, you know? Mm -hmm. So is there a way that you kind of prioritize the things that you have to do? So things that are like important and urgent, important and non-urgent, non-urgent, but important and not important and not urgent. Like, is there a way? Yeah. Yeah. That criteria that you have to kind of triage things into those groups. Yeah. 100%. Um, like I said, with everything, I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert in these certain realms. I'm learning as I go here and that's why I'm, trying to, in the way I'm growing my personal brand, document what I'm going through and document what I'm learning as I go. But, um, definitely my clients are my number one priority, um, in my business, the clients that I currently have, because if you're not looking after your clients, how can I look to bring in new ones? If the reputation of the current clients that I have isn't good, you know? So the first thing I do every day, I get up at 5am and I, and I schedule my clients posts. I put a lot of time into figuring out the context and the captions um, for these clients, because I know that giving context in posts is what's going to, what's going to work for them and what's going to sell. Um, and so I focus my efforts from probably five to 7am on just my clients that I currently have and getting them ready and prepared for the post to go out the next day. So I'm hundred percent ready for that and not stressing on the morning of trying to get posts out for them, you know? So I want to be hundred percent in line and keeping them on task. Um, so that's definitely priority. Number one in my business is the current clients that I have. Um, as well as that sleep and, and diet has become a massive one for me because if I'm, so like I said, I wake up at 5am. If I'm going to bed at 11pm and I'm waking up at 5am to, to have to schedule these posts and then starting training at eight, it's, it's not a good look for me as a professional athlete. Um, a lot of the people within the club know that I also run this other business and also have a passion for this. And so as well as me trying to balance my athletics and also, my business, it's proving to those people that this side of things isn't going to affect my work ethic and my ability as, as a, as a footballer. So, um, definitely my diet and my, and my sort of sleep are on par with, with managing my clients at the moment. It's as important as anything. So that's definitely of importance. And then the things that sort of get put on the back burner a little bit, um, to be honest, I don't like using that word put on the back burner because everything's priority. The things that I mentioned are obviously massive priority, but it goes down to efficiency because of the fact that I'm able to get enough sleep, eat a healthy diet, eat a lot of salmon, eat a lot of fish and, and meats. Um, and then also manage my own sort of client relations stuff. The other stuff is really what I'm so passionate about and what I love to do. You know, the filming videos from my own TikTok, engaging with people on my own, um, social media, and obviously working on my craft as a footballer, I, I can't complain, you know, there's nothing that I really look at in my day to day and go, I can't be bothered doing that. Or I don't really, that doesn't interest me. You know, the stuff that I do early on, I, I, I love to do. And that's why I got in in the first place, the social media stuff. And then the stuff to grow my own personal brand and, and, and me as an athlete and, and professional footballer is, 
is all things that I love to do. And that's what I want to keep in my life for a very long time. So do you feel like one thing that you hear um, from within the circles of entrepreneurship from the likes of like Tom Billu, for example, yeah. is go all in on one thing. Do you feel that you'd be able to make more progress in either professional football or in your marketing agency if you were to go like all in on that one thing? Or do you think that the balance you've got at the moment, they kind of feed into each other such that you're able to make more progress because of the synergy that you have? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great, that's actually a great question because I've thought a lot about that myself. Um, My whole life I grew up and and my whole, my main focus was the football and never had anything else to, to sort of fall back on, you know, but I think it all depends on the person. Some people are able to manage a few different things. Some people are able to manage a few different passions and and different things. For me, having my own business has been probably the best thing that could have happened to my football career. And I'll tell you why. If I have a bad game or have a bad training or, or things are sort of not going well for me in football at that time, without anything else to sort of fall back on or, or focus my head on, those things are consuming my brain a hundred percent of the time. And that's not a good, that's not good for your mental health. That's not good for your physical health as well, because you're, you're consumed by the negative thoughts all of the time, you know? And so the beauty of having this marketing agency and, and this passion for entrepreneurship and, and growing my own personal brand as well is that I can focus for three, four hours a day on my football 100% and go as hard as I can at that because I love it obviously. And it's been my passion since day one, but once I'm finished with that and I'm switched to the marketing entrepreneurship stuff, my head's on that. And and so if I've played well, I've played well, great, but I'm not going to big myself up for too long about it. You know, you get on and you move on. And if I've played poorly, same thing, I'm not going to sit on it too long. You got to, you got to get past it and move on. And so for me personally, I definitely think being able to have two different things that I'm passionate about has been the best thing that, that could have happened to me. So, cause it's almost like when you're not doing one, it's a break from it. It's a break from the day to day of bet. Like the, the football side's a break for me from having my phone, my head buried in my phone 24 hours a day. And then the social media side is a break from constantly having my head consumed with, with the football side if, if, cause that can also put you in a negative place. Mm-hmm. So having both of them almost provides you with an opportunity for, forced objectivity because you have to put yourself into a different headspace to successfully do one of them and when you're in that headspace you can look at whatever experience you had in the other headspace in the other scenario from a more objective standpoint 100 percent, and i've been through it i mean i've been through the side where like i said with the football when i before i became a professional athlete i was uh an aspiring professional athlete you know i was i was trying to make it in the world and and at that time you go in on trials and things and the trials and tribulations of, of going on trial, especially in England and these European countries can be really, can be really dampening on your self-confidence at times. It can be really dampening on, on your mental health and stuff. And so for me to be able to find this passion in social media and, and, in, and in talking about myself, like we're doing today and, and about my story has, has been a beautiful thing to, to sort of grow both in my career and also as, as a person. Mm-hmm. When did you make the decision that you wanted to pursue football in a professional capacity? <laughs> um, subconsciously when I was about three years old and consciously, I mean, 
for as long as I can remember, for as long as I can consciously remember, I'd probably say when I was about six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad played for Manchester United in the 80s, Billy Garton. Uh, he played under Sir Alex Ferguson for, I think it was six years or so. Um, and so I've been born and bred into the footballing family and, and I've always had that dream to to make it, you know. Mm-hmm. What was it like going through like you mentioned the trials um and the way that it's kind of set up to get into professional football in europe and in the uk yeah it's it's a sorry go on become a professional how old were you um so an official professional i'll give you a bit of background on it, a bit of context i officially became a professional um about eight months ago i signed my first official professional contract um before that i've been going on trials to different parts of of in different parts of england sorry um i was on the verge of signing for for qpr in england and was told that my amateur status in the states doesn't allow me to sign anything without the transfer window being open and this was in february right after the transfer window had closed um and then so i was planning on waiting to just sign and obviously the manager got sacked and sort of out of sight out of mind sort of things and people forget about your ability and things and so that's one of the sort of knockbacks that I've had um I've had a few other knockbacks where where people have told me I'm too small not physically ready um and so yeah it can be really especially coming from a place when you're younger where you are the main man you're the main player the team's built around you and and, and you're looked at to <laughs> to to bring the team success goals assists winning games for teams and then you go and you put in an environment where not only everyone's as good as you, but they've also been bred in a system that is geared around professionalism and, and striving to be at the absolute top level you can. And you're thrown in with a group of 18 to 25 year old kids slash young men that all want you to fail, you know, because at the end of the day, you're there to take their place and, and they know that. And I know that. And so, they obviously want you to fail at all costs. They've got their own cliques and groups within the club that, that they've made friends for years for years and years. And so you're not thrown in there and, and, and you're not there to make friends. And and my side of the story and their side of the story, they both know that, you know, we want you to fail. <laughs> and I know that they want me to fail. So it's a really, really ruthless environment. Mm-hmm. How did you manage that as a kid, that sort of environment? Because, I mean... Speaking from personal experience, being put into quite a ruthless, relatively aggressive environment, I played mm-hmm. rugby when I was a kid, all right. through, never at the level that you were competing at, but that kind of level of aggression and the clickiness that you get as a kid was incredibly difficult to manage for me. So how did you, what, what was it like being in that sort of environment as a kid? Yeah, yeah. To answer your question about how did I deal with it, I don't really think you do deal with it. You just learn from experience. You know, I, my first few trials, I, I was waking up every day and almost not wanting to go in because of the emotional strain it has on you. People telling you, you, I don't know if I can swear on this, on this podcast, but people telling you, yeah, people telling you your dog shit and and that you're not anywhere near good enough. and, And what the fuck's he doing here sort of thing, you know? And then you've got the, the coaching staff who, you know, in England are, are pretty ruthless, you know, they're, they're going to tell you how it is. And so as a young 15 year old boy, it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with. And so I think the more trials I went on, I learned to become immune to that. Um, 
not just in the soccer situation, the football situation, sorry, but in, in life in general, um, because of these events that are necessary to happen in your life, you, you learn from it and, and you grow from it and you realize that, I mean, I, I personally look at the things that happen and, and the, the knockbacks that I've had and, and look at it as a blessing because now I feel my mindset and, and, and my mentality is so much stronger because of the environment that I was put in from 15 to 20 years old, you know, and if I hadn't had those experiences, then I'd still have it all to come. So I'm so grateful that, that those moments and those times that were uncomfortable during the moment, but have, have really taught me a lot of lessons moving forward. Are there any experiences um, that really kind of stand out as a bit of a mental turning point for you in terms of helping you kind of move through into that, that mindset that's going to carry you forward into the future? Um, to be honest, the, there's a multitude of experiences. There's a lot of experiences that I look at that have shaped me. Um, there's not one particular moment where I go, you know, that's it, that's clicked and, and, and this is what's going to change me. But I can definitely sit in this moment now and, and I have done a lot of reflecting the past six months to a year on why am I the way I am? Why is my mindset the way it is? Why do I do the things that I do? And, and yeah, there's definitely a few specific things that, that have shaped me into the person I am today. Um, I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. The QPR one's a massive example because that's the first time as a, as a aspiring professional athlete that I really felt that a club genuinely wanted me to be their player. And I was 10 steps away from walking in the room and signing the contract. And I got told that unfortunately you can't sign today and, and, and it's not going to be happening for at least five months and, and potentially could not happen at all. And, you know, and that was the probably fourth or fifth time that, that I'd had a knockback. And so I was almost getting to the point where I was fed up of it. Um, there's another example that's not football related. Um, it's just a, a life sort of lesson. Um, and it's to do with acne. I've grown up, I grew up my whole entire life with, with very severe acne, um, to the point of, yeah, cystic acne where you couldn't even look at a single part of my face and, uh, without seeing a spot. And so that for people who don't know or haven't experienced it has a massive em uh, emotional toll on you. Um, especially as a teenage boy, you, you're growing up and, and as a teenager in general, boy or girl, you, that's where the, the sort of, <laughs> I don't know what word I'm looking for, but and your perception um, of yourself is so dependent. Yeah, the perception of yourself is is really important to you. You know, the way the way other people think of you, the way other people look at you is massive, especially going into the high school environment where people aren't afraid to say comments that will hurt you, you know? Um, and so people literally saying to me, what the fuck's wrong with your face? Do you not wash it? People who don't have acne don't know that a lot of it's hormonal. You can't do anything about it a lot of the time, you know, and I was probably one of the clean, I am probably one of the cleanest person, one cleanest people you'll ever meet or anyone will ever meet. But when you have acne, you can almost look like a sort of unclean, dirty looking person, you know, and I knew that. And so for, for people to make snide remarks and, and comments that were, they didn't necessarily know were going to hurt me, but would hit me deep to the soul um, was something that definitely made me have to be resilient to, to people's judgment. Um, and then there's one specific event in high school as well, where 
Um, it was actually my first kiss. <laughs> uh, it was in just after my freshman year of high school and, and I kissed this girl. Obviously I had no experience on anything to do with that. And so you can expect, you can sort of guess what the way it went. It wasn't the best thing ever. And then she uh, went on a platform called Ask FM for people who don't know. And what Ask FM is, it's an anonymous questions website where people could ask you any questions you want and you answer them. And so she had, everyone had an account during those days on Ask FM and someone asked her, what was your biggest regret um, of this year? And her response was kissing this guy on the Ferris wheel. And everyone knew that it was me. Everyone knew what had happened um, within the high school environment because everyone was just such a close knit group. And so that was something that, yeah, really, really hit me hard emotionally. Um, and you, as a man, as a boy growing up into a man, it's tough to show those emotions um, to anyone really. Yeah. I think people don't realize like as a, as a, as a man, you're not really allowed at times to show your sadness or your, what, you, what you're feeling and what you're going through. And so to have to push through and act like it's not bothered you is yeah, makes it really tough. But to say that, that like, I know we're on the topic of things that have made you resilient. Those events, I talk about it a lot on my, my own social media channels, things like that that have happened to me have really, really shaped me into the the person that I am mentally. Um, and I think it's, it's, I attribute that to why I'm able to put myself in front of camera a lot now and talk about me and talk about my journey and talk about things that have happened to me because I, I mean, if you saw the hate comments that I get on, on TikTok and things from people who are probably sitting at home behind, behind their phone, just, just wanting to bring people down. I, couldn't care less anymore what other people think or the, or the judgment that they're going to put on me for, for doing things. And I attribute a lot of that to what happened to me in, in my young teenage years. Mm, I agree 100%. I mean, as, as a young man growing up, expressing any degree of vulnerability is an incredibly difficult thing to do because like, you have to admit to yourself that you're feeling something which you feel you shouldn't be feeling because you're always told that you shouldn't be feeling a certain way feel bad for it yeah actually engaging with someone on mm-hmm. something that's probably not very comfortable yeah really really difficult thing to do when you um were 10 steps away from signing this contract with qpr but then it, it transpired that it wasn't going to happen um, yeah did you ever want did you want to walk away at that point because you mentioned there that like you're feeling incredibly fed up was that a point where you were considering like the longevity yeah, 100%. Um, and I feel with the club that I'm at now, 1904, it's been sort of a lifeline for me because, I mean, this happened in February of 2019 where I was told by QPR that it wasn't going to happen. And then by April, things had fizzled out and, and it wasn't going to work. And then literally, what's say April, May, by July, I'd moved back to San Diego. And so, I mean, if that says something about wanting to pursue your dreams in Europe as a professional athlete, then <laughs> I was on the verge of sort of quitting my career. You know, I, I nearly went back to college to play um, and finish my degree. And this sort of lifeline popped up at 1904, the first ever professional team in, in San Diego where I lived, which felt like fate in many ways, you know? And so, um, yeah, to answer your question, I was, 
I was definitely on the verge of, of at least giving up my professional dreams. Um, and, and that's not for a lack of love. I love the game and dedicate my entire life to it. And I have dedicated my entire life to it, you know, but when these things happen and it's like one event after another, after another, after another, you, it's hard not to want to give up, you know? And so some things I think are thrown into your life as fate. I genuinely believe that that some things are thrown into your life, um, as fate, but also because of maybe the resilience and, and the things that you've done in the past that it's almost good fate in a way. Um, yeah, I genuinely believe that, that this contract that I signed was, was a moment of fate in my life. Mm-hmm. So this, this journey that you've been on with the, the trials, the tribulations and the hardships and that, it sounds just from my perspective as though like your your sense of self-awareness is something that has become stronger through each of these subsequent experiences. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. Has that always been the case? Or was there a period of time whereby earlier in your career perhaps you were looking for other people for the validation as opposed to <laughs> knowing where that validation comes from? Yeah, it's funny you say that because, yeah, one, 100%, I'm at the point now where I judge myself harsh, more harshly than anyone else could judge me. You know, I, I'm not harshly, sorry, that's not the correct terminology because I know that everyone else is going to judge me, but I evaluate myself more than anyone else would, would evaluate me. You know, I, I look at myself from within and, and, and I know that other people are going to spread negative things about me. And, and so I'm not going to, put too much pressure on myself but I'm also going to evaluate like where do I want my life to go and and I'm going to make decisions based on me not based on other people um you make those decisions and, <laughs> um it goes a lot back to to my past as a young sort of teenager and the things that have happened to me that these decisions sort of come naturally to me now and it's funny there's there's one specific event that I think has has helped me with this um I listened to the Tony Robbins podcast and, and in one of his episodes, he talks about the fact that he jumps in a freezing cold pool every morning, a freezing a sort of cold plunge every morning. And the reason he does it is because it, he doesn't walk up and, and say, All right, I'll give it 30 seconds or I'll go and do something else first. He just walks up and jumps straight in. Um, and it trains your mind to sort of just do things, make decisions and, and, if it doesn't work out the way you want, hey, at least you tried and you gave it a go, but you're never going to get anywhere by thinking. You're only going to get places by doing and learning. And so since I listened to that episode every morning, I do that. I, I'm fortunate that I have, I have a pool in my backyard, but if I didn't, and there's been times where I haven't, and I've had to make an ice bath or I've had to get a freezing cold shower. Um, but the mentality and the mental strength that I've gained from literally getting up every morning and going straight in the cold plunge and, and ducking my head under and, and sort of training my mind to regardless of what I'm thinking, just do things has definitely played out in other aspects of my life. Um, and so that's one event that I think has, has helped me just make decisions, you know? Um, I know I talk a lot about people and mentors that I listen to, but a lot of the stuff that I've learned from just listening to other podcasts and listening to people speak is, is literally that <laughs> what is thinking ever going to do for you if you're not executing, you know? You can think all you want, but no one ever became a millionaire or became successful or or became happy by simply thinking. They have to execute 
on the things you're thinking about. So I am at the point where I overvalue. Um, I put a lot of value on just doing things. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, you win or you learn, right? There's no losing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned mentors there. Have mentors formed quite a, an important part of your life? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I see my dad specifically as a massive mentor to me. Um, he obviously was a professional athlete as well. He's He's been someone who's taught me a lot in my life. I've now got people in the form of physical mentors that I do speak to um, within the San Diego area and also people that are still in England. And I've also got the the non-physical mentors that, that I feel have created a lot of value in my life that people that I may never meet or I may meet, I don't know, but, but people that bring a lot of value to me through their podcasts and through their social media channels and the value that they're giving to me. So to answer your question there, I think it's played, yeah, a massive, massive part in, in my journey, just listening and learning from people who've made it, you know, and, and, and been there and done that because at the end of the day, I am 21. Um, I feel like I've got a strong head on my shoulders and I am more mature and more wise in my experiences because of just doing things, but also listening to these people and feeling like in the way that they describe things that I've been there and done that, you know? So I have the notion of expensive experience versus inexpensive experience expensive uh-huh. experience is the one that's going to have like a big physical co- been not necessarily physical but also emotional cost to you so it could be you failing at something or you succeeding at something 100 percent. experience is the benefit of someone else's experience they've spent the money they've spent the cost as it were and then you get to learn from that experience 100 percent. 100 percent. and yeah i'm fortunate enough that i've been able to find people that i feel like i can learn from uh, and gain the value that they've gained over years of, of trial and error. And so seeing that and seeing the value that it's brought them by simply giving value to me is why I'm trying to give back on my own, on my own channels and take what I'm learning, put my own spin on it and, and give as much value as I can to my audience as well. Mm-hmm. Have you found that spending so much time involved with social media on social media, does it, have an impact on your overall well-being, your mental health? Because that's some, one thing that you hear a lot about nowadays is people spending huge amounts of time on social media, but in such a way that their perceptions of self-worth end up being based on, validated by almost their audience. Have you yeah. found that you struggle with that at all? Um, first starting out, probably initially, yeah. Um because it was hard to deal with the initial backlash maybe of people who are jealous of sort of the, the dream you're creating and the fact that you're actually doing something with your life. Um, and so, yeah, it was a struggle initially, I think to balance those things out. Um, and so I think that sort of being able to, I'm trying to think of the phrase here, being able to, understand and feel and this goes back to to mentors and people that i've listened to but the people that are spreading this negativity are probably in a worse place off than you at the end of the day you know they're i've switched my mindset i used to i used to think wow there must be something wrong with me like like this is really hitting me deep down to the core when these people are saying these things and now i sort of look at it and i'm like who would 
take the time, what successful person or what motivated, positive person would ever take the time to spread negativity if they weren't in a negative place themselves in their own lives. And so, and the answer to that is no one, you know? And so a lot of these people who are spreading negativity are in a really negative place in their own lives. And so rather than taking it that there's something wrong with me, I, I look at it more now that, you know, I, I almost feel bad for these people. Like you've really taken this time to, to want to hate on me and shit on me. But in reality, you're probably sat behind a phone in a really depressed mindset yourself. So yeah, that's, that's sort of the way I put a spin on things now. Um, but then to answer your question in terms of other people, um, and, and getting past that sort of mindset is like so many people, uh, not posting what they actually want to talk about on social media because of fear of what people will say about them and, and people they don't even know or like, you know, like I, it's, it's tough for me to understand. It's not tough for me to understand actually, because I was at a place where I was like that at a certain point where I feared the opinions of people that I didn't like. And the way I think about it now, thinking back, it's easy to sit here now and say it, but those people that I didn't know were like during that time that I was genuinely care about, I don't talk to a single one of those people now. And so they say, don't spend five minutes worrying about what won't matter to you in five years time. I mean, if I could have taken that advice three years ago and, and deployed it, that's certainly a piece of advice to give to anyone in high school or even in my position right now that are debating whether to post on social media or talk about what they want to care or what they care about is like the people that you genuinely love and the people that you genuinely want to be impacted by the message that you're trying to give out will love you for it and will will sort of give you back the the love that you want and, and and feel the value that you're trying to give. And the people that don't are people that you don't want in your life anyway. And you know that before you've even posted. So stop caring about people you don't like and think about the love that you're going to get from the people that are in your life for the right reasons. Mm. Did you find that when you started posting more regularly, um, going back to what we were speaking about earlier about vulnerability, did you find putting yourself out there and going through like the process like this, for example, coming on podcasts mm -hmm. and being so willing to, to kind of share your story kind of mm -hmm. once and all. Did you find that vulnerability was difficult to, to reconcile with how you thought that you had to behave in the beginning? To be honest. So, I mean, I'm a bit confused about your question a little bit in terms of, so you mean in terms of the vulnerability of, myself and, and my personal opinion of what other people would think in terms of actually like putting yourself out there and accepting the fact that there are going to be people who just don't like you and that's completely fine yeah yeah the, um the vulnerability that kind of comes with with that kind of authentic disclosure was to be honest the, sorry to be honest the that was probably the most relieving time is when i was able to be vulnerable and sort of talk about what I've been through in my story because I'm a big believer in, in when you take ownership of something and accept it in your own brain, no one has any power over you, you know? Now that I've accepted and told basically the whole world about my story and what I've been through and the negative things that I've experienced and, and all about that part of my life, 
no one can say anything that's going to hurt me now because I've already said it. I've already told everyone, you know? So that like, that's another piece of advice I'd give is, is take the things that you're feeling vulnerable about and own them, own them yourself. Because once you own them, you can't be suspect to, to anyone else's opinion because you know, you've, you've taken ownership of it and you've accepted it. I think a lot about that when, um, I don't know if you've seen Eight Mile, the movie, um, the final rap that Eminem goes on and he, and he basically shits on himself the entire time. And I think a lot about that because it's like he has told the entire world what's wrong with him. And then the guy can't, has nothing to say after that because it's like he's accepted his own, his own flaws. He's accepted everything that's happened in his life. And now he's sort of immune to anyone's judgment because at the end of the day, he's, he's, he's shared everything that he wants to share. So... Mm, yeah and like if you put not necessarily the negativity but if you're willing to share your flaws it means that no one else can highlight them no exactly one can highlight them for you because you really put it out there 100 percent. yeah so way back at the beginning um, yeah you mentioned that you were surprised that you were as passionate about marketing as you were about football when you found something that you were as passionate about Mm -hmm. is that passion something that's always existed or is that something that's kind of been built over time it's definitely been built um over time but i will say that the initial base of passion was already there it's not something that i found you know, maybe I'll have an, an interest in this and I'll explore it. I definitely had a burning passion for it initially, but it's been found and has blossomed massively when I started to see results. Um, initially for my first two clients that I had incredible results. And that's where I realized that, you know, I actually have a skill set here that I can turn into a real profitable business, you know? Um, and the fact that I love doing it and I love scheduling the posts and I love seeing the results come in made me realize that this is something that's worthwhile and and that I can pursue outside of the football stuff. So, um, definitely there was an initial passion there. Um, but again, the fact that I'm so young has allowed me to understand that if that passion dies out, I've got no shame in saying at some point that, you know, I have no interest in social media anymore. I'm going to go into something else, you know, and, and that also goes down to, not caring about the judgment, you know, my own parents will probably judge me for that. Like I've already, I initially had my own clothing business that, you know, I had a passion for, for maybe six months, but realized I didn't really enjoy it anymore. And so I had no shame in saying, sack that. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm moving on to, to something else. And I think that's a, a little bit the life of, of a young entrepreneur trying to make it. You, you dabble in different things until you find what you really enjoy. And I'm fortunate enough that I found something that I think I can build long-term sustainable brand out of and, and, and also something that I'm incredibly passionate about. So was there an initial catalyst for you to, to start out on your own? Like were you working with anyone beforehand or was it on, off the base of kind of the, the personal results that you've been experiencing? Is your, you know what? I think I could do this. Yeah. Um, if I'm being honest, the reason I got into social media initially, obviously I said there was a passion there. Yes. But I was an aspiring professional athlete. And so you can't be tied down to a nine to five job when you're trying to make it as a professional athlete, you know? So I was looking for something that would be on my own terms, 
would give me the ability to do when I'm sat in bed at night <laughs> and also something that's going to bring me sort of an income and something that I can build on, you know? And so luckily I found this, this sort of social media stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's a sort of how it, how it came about. Um, I've lost track of your initial question there. <laughs> um, was there like a catalyst to to start out on your own? Because as a professional athlete, you mentioned that you, you can't have a nine to five, but was there something, yeah. you know what, I could do this for someone else as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, trusting in my own ability more than I'll ever trust in anyone else's. <laughs> you know, um, I'm pretty selfish in that respect um that it's hard or has been hard in the past for me to trust that anyone else will put in the time or the effort and achieve the results that I feel I can achieve and so that's where it's probably been tough for me to bring other people on I'm starting to do it a little more now but going out on my own I knew that I would never have to rely on anyone else and I also knew that my work ethic would allow me not to rely to rely on anyone else And, and I knew that I could make I could rely on myself, you know, basically at the end of the day, I could rely on my work ethic because I knew I had a great work ethic from, I mean, being an aspiring professional athlete, you have to sacrifice a lot. So that mindset and that mentality allowed me to know and understand that I have the work ethic to, if I can do it in that aspect of things, I can do it in anything, you know? And so I knew I had the work ethic to, to learn and make it work and, and, and put the time in and, I guess, yeah, I I definitely say not knowing if I could trust someone else to put in the time into my business because it is my business, it's my baby, you know, to to get the same results. So, Mm. so in terms of scaling your business going forward, is that something that you feel you're going to have to not necessarily deal with, but become more? comfortable with open to yeah, yeah definitely that's probably i'm not afraid to admit it. it's probably my one of my biggest flaws at, at the moment is accepting that i'm gonna have to give up some things or give up maybe some ownership of the business or give up obviously monetary value to bring other people on and i'm gonna accept i'm gonna have to accept that at times maybe those decisions that i make might not be the right decisions but that's how you're going to grow at the end of the day. And so I can't really speak a lot on, on bringing other people in and and giving people advice on that because that's definitely one of my biggest flaws is, is bringing myself to, to trust that someone else will do the work and put in the time like I want it done. So what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your day to day at the moment? Um, yeah, great question off the back of the one that you just, that you just mentioned. The biggest challenge is, is, is knowing where the next step is to take my business to the next next level. Um, I've got a, I've got a pretty set client base now that I'm, that I'm working with and I'm still bringing in other people as well. Um, but understanding what's the right move for me to be able to step back and almost become an operator rather than involved in the day-to-day because I want to be working on my business rather than in it you know um at the moment I'm working a lot in it because that's what happens when when you start a business with not 
that much income and not, not that much money back into put into it. You, you're doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff by yourself. So um, that's been the toughest thing is finding the right people and the right network of people around me that at some point will allow me to step back and say, okay, I've got this client base and I've got this amount of people that are working on it for them and I can oversee it all and give my ideas, but trust that these people that I've brought in are going to, are going to execute. Do you have a process or kind of set of criteria that you follow for assessing what that next step is? Um, in terms of someone that I bring in, you mean, or in terms of of what the next step is for your business? Another tough question. Um, (laughs) yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say I have protocol because I'm hoping that I get to the point where hiring becomes very easy for me and firing becomes very easy for me as well because then it'll give me the ability to say you know what I'll bring you in give you a chance if it's not working I'm fine with letting you go and and moving on you know and so definitely not a protocol at the moment um just someone who I am a bit of a perfectionist in the respect that for all my clients I want everything to be perfect I want everything to be organized and so that's probably something where as an owner I'm gonna have to step back step back as well and say not everything's going to be perfect and perfect through my lens it might be perfect through someone else's lens but I accept that perfect through my lens is not the same for everyone else you know and so at the moment no no protocol just looking for a skill set that will help me and my business grow and something that sort of stands out and keeps us unique. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you think that you're going to be able to reconcile that desire for perfection? Because, I mean, speaking from personal experience, um, having that not necessarily need to have everything fall into exactly where you want it to fall can be incredibly powerful because it means that you hold yourself to such a high standard that Mm. the quality and the caliber of the work that you're producing is second to none. But then from my perspective, failing to hit this impossibly high standard that you set for yourself can lead to all sorts of anxiety. And that's 100%. And and yeah, I'm not afraid to admit that that I've had anxiety all growing up and I've still got anxiety now. And so that, I think they go hand in hand a little bit, the perfection, perfectionist mindset with anxiety, because the truth is you're never really going to hit the heights that you set for yourself if you're a perfectionist. And so um, I'm trying to learn how to balance that a little bit, a little bit, but I'm definitely a a perfectionist in every aspect of my life, you know, my own body figure and shape and, 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 building muscle and sort of that sort of stuff and, and sticking to a regime of of working out and keeping myself healthy. Um, and then also a perfectionist in the respect to my business of, of the posts have to go out at this time with this context, with these hashtags, with, with this amount of quality in what happens and, and what goes on in the day-to-day. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the perfectionist mindset's a tough one. Um, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to balance it. I think it goes with everything, um, that I've, that I've learned over the years in the respect that you live and you learn and you learn as you go and you, and, and 
I think I'm becoming less and less of a perfectionist slowly as I'm getting in this, this day to day and learning what works and what doesn't and, and what's going to help me be happy at the end of the day. Um, and so definitely goes back to what we were talking about before about thinking or doing rather than thinking, you know, um, just do and learn, <laughs> you know, and that's why I'm learning about, that's what I knew and started to recognize that I don't, I can't be a perfectionist if this business is going to grow. You know, it's not that I, that I have the option. I just can't be a perfectionist. And, and I have to understand that I'm going to step back and accept that perfection is something you can strive for, but it can't be the be all and end all. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. An ideal to work towards, but something that is ultimately going to be unattainable because to a certain extent it doesn't really exist. 100% and accepting that, accepting that it's unattainable, you know, balancing the striving for perfection and wanting to be the best you can be, but accepting that if, if inevitably you don't reach those heights, that's okay. You know, yeah. how does the anxiety manifest itself in your day to day? It comes and goes. Um, it's something that some days you wake up with, some days you you can manage it and, and it feels like you are living with it and it's fine. And then there's some days where for some reason your head is just consumed with it and it just won't really go away. Um, and so it's something that, yeah, definitely it's not, really going to go away i found it what works really well for me is if i can keep my head consumed with with things all day you know uh, from the moment i wake up to the moment i go to bed whether that be in meetings whether that be a, a training whether that be scheduled in my posts just keeping my head busy with things has really helped for the anxiety sort of stuff um the accepting myself for who i am has also helped massively um but saying that there's a lot of things and, and for people listening here that maybe are, that do have anxiety and stuff, it's something that, and, and they know, and you guys know that it, you, often you can't control. Um, it just sort of comes and goes, you know, there's days I wake up where you feel so, such a lack of productivity because your brain is consumed by negative thoughts and worries that, you don't know why they're there. They're just there. So it's very inexplainable. Um, there's only techniques that I've found to, to manage it. And, and definitely one of them is keeping my head busy, keeping my head focused on things that I care about. And then when I start to feel this anxiety and start to feel this, these nerves or these inexplainable feelings, um, being able to step back and think about how lucky I am, you know, to, to even be alive. I filmed a video today about that. Like I was this morning, I actually was, was having some anxiety and I couldn't explain it for about three, four hours. And then I sat back and I was like, the chances of me even being alive are 400 trillion to one, you know, and that's even being alive on this earth, one of 7 billion people, not to mention living in San Diego, one of the most beautiful places in the world and being fortunate enough to have grown up in a, to have this wealthy sort of abundant life and, and, and see all the things that I have. And so 
to put yourself in that perspective really took me out of that mindset of, of, of anxiety. Cause I'm like, how lucky am I? You know, I am so, so lucky to, to be on this earth and to have the, the chance to do something I love every day in both the football and also as, as an entrepreneur, there's nothing to be, to be sad or worried or, or stressed about, you know, I'm just, just be grateful. So, so definitely sitting back and, and putting a, that perspective and that spin on things has, has really helped me. So I try to do that as often as possible. Just think about how lucky I am to, to be in the position I am, you know, nothing that really could happen to me is ever going to, is ever going to put me in a position that, that maybe some other people are in, you know? And I saw a quote about that the other day. It was something like the tiny house that you complain about would be the dream of, of the homeless, you know? And, and so that puts things really in perspective for me that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm in the top 0.001% of the entire world and the entire universe. And so I've just got to be grateful for where I'm at. Mm. Do you find that there are so like certain things that kind of you'll do maybe the day before perhaps that will <laughs> set you off into a, a slightly more negative headspace the day after? Yeah, definitely. Um, procrastination is the biggest one. Um, and that's why I tried to stick to a, a pretty steady regime of getting my clients post schedule between and dealing with them from five to 7am because in the past, if I come home and I'm tired and I'm having to do that, and then maybe I'd fall asleep while doing that. And the getting the stuff done that has to be done on a daily basis is priority for me now because procrastinating on that has caused a lot of anxiety for me waking up and then you're forced to rush to have to get post scheduled out and then it's not your best work. And then it's a spiral effect because then as a perfectionist, you're not putting out what you really want to put out. And that's where a lot of anxiety comes in. So yeah, procrastination has been a massive one for me. Um, being in my own head about every little thing has been another one. Um, sort of anticipating an event that hasn't even happened, you know, um, <laughs> like getting in my head about things that or getting stressed and worried about things that I don't even know if they're going to happen in my life, just allowing them to consume my brain the day before or a week before they've even happened is something that, yeah, definitely cause a lot more unneeded anxiety. Um, and, it, and a lot of that happens in, or has happened in the past in, in my professional ventures as, as a footballer, um, getting unnecessarily anxious and worried about a game the day before and, and putting myself in a position where I can't perform at my best level because of the thoughts that are popping up in my own brain and continuing to bring those thoughts in my head and, and think about them and let them dominate me. Um, and I can't really explain why I did that. That just sort of happened. But going back again to you live and you learn, being able to have those experiences has now helped me with techniques that I've learned for myself to, to get myself out of that frame. And one is for the football side at the end of the day, it's just a game, you know? Mm. Um, I saw another quote the other day about football. Someone asked, I forgot who it was and it was about, he was playing the Champions League final and they said to him, are you nervous? All this pressure um, 
for this massive game and he went now nah, this isn't pressure you know pressure's when you can't your family can't eat or, or you're struggling in a in a in a poor city and, you, and you're struggling to survive this game with a ball two teams playing at the end of the day that's not pressure you know and so putting myself in 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 that mindset has really helped as well and so on the bigger picture to all of that I think and I'm, I'm just realizing now that I'm saying it is perspective is everything you know putting myself in a perspective of what really is important and and, and what position I actually am in in my life has really, really helped with my mindset and my anxiety. And I think that can help a lot of people, you know, stand back a little bit and, and, and get out of the, the day to day or the, or the, that moment of consuming and think in the bigger picture, look where you're at and, and, and think about maybe the things that are worrying you, how important really are they in the big scheme of things, you know, because they could be causing a lot of anxiety and, and in reality, they're not, they're not that important, you know? I think I'm bumping up against the hour now. So one one last question that I like to ask all of my guests is um, if someone is listening to this right now and they find mm-hmm. they're in like a really tough spot, it could be anxiety, it could be depression, it could be any any of those things, what would be one thing that you would recommend that they do right now that would help them move forward through it? Perspective is my one word. Step back, look at where you're at in your life. And I don't care what position you're in. Look at how lucky you are, one, to be alive on this earth. Two, think about the people around you that love and support you. I mean, I've got such a loving and supporting network that as soon as I think about that, I feel so much much happiness and, and so much more relieved and then like three think about the position you're in in your life because there's always someone worse off than you and in reality not just someone 90 percent of the world more often than not i mean the fact that you're even listening to this podcast on a phone or a, an ipad or a tablet or whatever you're listening to puts you in a position of you're incredibly lucky. You're so much, so much luckier than the majority of the world that don't even have the ability to be able to stream and listen to, to any of this sort of stuff. So put yourself in the, in, in the perspective that just step back and, and, and think about how lucky and, and grateful you are to, to be alive and, and change the mindset from, from worry and anxiety to sort of, yeah, gratefulness. Just be thankful, you know? Awesome. I think that is the perfect place to finish. Thank you very much for this, Billy. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. It's been really fun. Awesome. Thank you. That was Rolling Forward. I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you enjoyed this episode or you feel that there is something that I should be talking about or someone that I should be talking to, please don't hesitate to get in touch. The most effective way to do that is to leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcasting app you are listening on. I will read any and all reviews, so please leave me your comments so I can provide you with even more value. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time.